welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hello! And today we're talking about volume 19 of Kaguya-sama Love is War. It's been over two months since the last time we talked about Kaguya-sama, and oh boy, I have been looking forward to this. <laughs> it's my fault that this one's coming out so much later than I guess you would expect. Uh, my usual, the usual place where I get my books has been really, really slow with this one. I, I still wouldn't have had it. Like, I don't I know, I don't know when I would be able to get it if I had, had stuck to that one. I, but I was waiting forever for it to get, to, to get it from there, but, you know, it just had, that, that hasn't happened. Uh, so I looked elsewhere uh, after having waited for quite a while already, so that's why I got it. Uh, last night I got it and read it for the first time. So it's still very fresh in my mind. Uh, like, f as far as, like, first reads go. I guess that's sort of how James has been for most of this uh, series, to be fair. I know. <laughs> it's, it's like the roles have reversed here. Yeah. I, I'm the one having, you know, having waited, like, a month or so. Yeah. Or maybe, was it two? I, I can't I think remember. two months, at least. Two months. Oh, that's right. You said two months. Yeah. Yeah, and... <laughs> and so having reread this, honestly, it was like I was reading another volume again, or a new volume again, because... Mm. I almost I, some of the points I had forgotten. I was like, "Oh yeah, that happened." <laughs> right. Hey, yeah, and, and that, that's that's with me too. Like, because I read these books the first time, you know, as I was reading them the first time once, and then I didn't read them again either of these volumes again until you know we started our podcast. So I, I also had experiences like that se uh, several times as we went through those books. But anyway, um, one last thing I wanted to mention actually before we get into talking about the characters of this volume is that it related to something from the previous volume, volume eighteen where there was the chapter where they tied cherry stems with their tongues. I have actually tried that since then. <laughs> oh my god! Because <laughs> I was, I just get really curious, like, to, to try it. I swear, it. if you get it done, like, in 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I wasn't that great. I, I tried it, the, the first time I tried it, I didn't think I'd be able to do it because it took so long. But after, like, 20 minutes or so, maybe a little over 20 minutes, I actually was able to tie a knot in my mouth with my tongue. Nice. Yeah. And then I tried it again with a different stem, by the way. Like, because I think if you use the same one multiple times, that might be an easier way to just do it. But so I, I switched stems and tried again and was able to do it in just about two minutes. And I even was able to untie the knot just like Kaguya did. So Ooh. I feel like I've sort of mastered the, the cherry stem Dang. thing. <laughs> you hear that, everybody? <laughs> Yeah, go, go see Peta for a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Bring your cherries. <laughs> so yeah, I just I just had to talk, just, just mention that real quick, just because I, I thought that was a fun experience. Uh, and hey, anyone who hasn't tried it, try it. It's really fun, a fun challenge. Yeah. And you can brag about it afterward if you're able to do it. <laughs> uh, or you be be like me and just like never never talk like you never did it. <laughs> Hey, Miko, I think, gave up completely, so she, ne she wasn't even able to do it either. <laughs> but anyway, yes, so let's talk about the characters in this volume. And I think we have to start by talking about Ai Hayasaka yeah. with this one. So this is, first of all, the third time that she appears featured on the volume cover art. I know. Uh, she was also on volume 3 and 11, and, this, and now the third time on volume 19. And what's so cool about this is that this is the first time the first time that she's not putting up an act kind of on this image. Because on both of the other two, she's kind of like, you can see like her face kind of one half is like one persona and the other is another persona That's kind true, of. That's true, yeah. But this one mm -hmm. is just her natural self, which I think is 
beautiful and you know obviously it mirrors her arc in this volume really well so i thought that was a really nice touch indeed and uh it was good to know that regarding the what we learned in the previous volume about her reporting things about kaguya to the head family it was good at least to learn in this volume that she did at least withhold some information in those reports uh yeah specifically about kaguya and miyuki being in a relationship like that's obviously like the main thing that she didn't uh mentioned to them um so i mean obviously she spilled a lot of beans over the years which has which is not good but at least not telling them about that i think was what was very good of her yeah i'm not i'm not exactly sure why she felt that was the one thing that she couldn't say i mean glad i'm glad that was the one thing she couldn't report Hmm. i guess it would have been weird if she hadn't reported anything to them so uh, she was kind of just stuck doing that but she was able to put her foot down in, in this in that aspect so you know i yeah. really really respect her for that mm-hmm. i imagine it must have been very hard oh yeah and you know we had discussed i think in volume 18 why she was crying there why she feels terrible mm. at that moment and i i think we i think we had talked about that maybe it was because uh, she she was reporting on Kaguya or something like that. Some, yeah. something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. I think and we did. Talk I guess about that. we got it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that was like, woo! <laughs> nailed it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's sad that her entire life has been like this and she hasn't felt like she's been able or both of them really haven't been able to have that that friendship. Um mm. and so to and I and I get to this point where we finally understand where Hayasaka is coming from and the, the guilt that she has to deal with is is important and obviously we'll talk about what that means for her and Kaguya's relationship later on but yeah, anyway yeah. it's just it was really nice to see that progression absolutely yeah and also to also get these several flashbacks that we got throughout this volume to their childhood uh and you know like now speaking about it from Ice perspective like how this guilt that we learned about in the previous volume or at least that we started talking about in the previous volume and which is very much elaborated on here it pretty much existed from the very beginning uh, of her working as Kaguya's mm. uh, assistant um, as I think was shown pretty clearly f- by how reluctant I was to get close to Kaguya when they were younger that we, we saw se- yeah. several inst- like several examples of that and I think that was probably because of the guilt she felt like she, she maybe she felt like she wasn't worthy of uh getting familiar with this girl who she thought she like she she thought she was really cute and she had a lot of respect for her. Mm-hmm. like i can definitely understand that for sure hmm. i like the kind of side plot or subplot that they had going on with hayasaka's friends and how right before we had learned that hayasaka kind of viewed them as just people she was using and she felt bad about that i think we you kind of get that sense in, in this volume. Mm. Um, but in reality, her friends feel like they know the real her. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. they, 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 they view her as an actual friend. And it, and I hope Hayasaka is able to realize that, that she does have friends and that she does have people who care about her, who want to help her. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that she has, a, she has struggle recognizing that and reaching out to people. But I think in this volume, she's able to understand that um, friends are there not for benefits per se, but 
it's friends benefit from from each other you know like they yeah it's not because i can do something for you it's because i want to be there for you and vice versa definitely yeah and i think these these friends of of hers well i I think they they knew her better than maybe i knew they did perhaps yeah uh because like when they talked about her with kaguya like they they express like or they they mentioned this very sensitive side that of eyes, like how she cries easily and stuff like that, which <laughs> I don't think is something that she would have necessarily wanted them to see. And and as we talked about earlier earlier as well, like that's probably like that 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 sensitive side of her is the real her, that she yeah usually tries to cover up with uh, her various personas. But the fact that her friends knew of that side of her, I think, shows that they actually do know the real her, and that. And that, I think that also proves that their friendship is more real than I maybe thought. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. I maybe maybe she wasn't as great at at hiding her true self as she thought she exactly she was. Ex- yeah, I can totally <laughs> see that. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how far you want me to go with the highest Saka discussion because I have some notes from all the way towards like the end of the of the arc. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, if if it's related to I, then then go for it. Her hair. Like she yes. just chops it off. Mm-hmm. She does. And I, it, I was like, no. <laughs> well, one, I was really mad at Unyo for freaking grabbing her ponytail, and I, I think some other, I think the girl servant did it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of his uh, servants did it. Yeah. 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 Mm. So, but it's like, don't touch that. Yeah. But then that, she that, just, that's so. It's so discriminating to like. It really grab is. someone by the hair like that. Ugh, I hate that. It's almost—it's like cattle. Like I don't like it. Yeah, no, no. And obviously that—that that was the purpose and intent. Right. But then you know she cuts it off, and I you know I respect her for making that quick decision and everything. But mm-hmm. you know, sad like oh no, the hair is gone. But when we do see her again, <laughs> she has a new hairstyle. Yeah. She's looking great. She's really trimmed it up. And honestly, it looks—it looks fantastic. It does. It does. I actually sort of knew that she would get this haircut because I <laughs> since quite a while back I've been seeing fan arts of her with this hairstyle oh. just online around various yeah, places yeah. so I sort of knew that somehow she would cut her hair or you know for some reason she would cut her hair so it's nice to, mm-hmm. to actually know now why and to kind of be past that part in the story so that it's no longer a quote-unquote spoiler for me I mean it's not that big of a deal but uh, at least it's, it's nice to have gotten there in the story now and right and related to her cutting her hair like that i think it i think cutting your hair sometimes symbolizes like this the start of a new chapter like mm-hmm. a new beginning and 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 maybe in some cases even a sense of empowerment or empowering yourself like um well you know a new resolve right yeah, right yeah, the new yeah new step forward, symbolize a big change in your life. Exactly. A lot of times it's like a stereotype when, you know, when someone breaks up with their boyfriend or something like that. <laughs> True. But, but <laughs> I think, I think it can be, well, it is used and, and done sometimes. Yeah. Um, where, you know, someone will cut their hair as kind of a sign that I'm changing myself. Yeah, exactly. And so I think obviously that fits very well with her arc here. Uh, even though it may not have been intentional necessarily, you know, she initially <laughs> yeah. obviously just did it to, well break away to I break, guess. yeah exactly um but it, it worked very well narratively as well indeed so where does hayasaka live now yeah <laughs> i wonder <laughs> what is she on her own but i mean i she probably has enough money saved up to i guess 
live in an apartment somewhere. But... Yeah, yeah, she's really rich. Like, there was one of the previous volumes where I think we got to see, like, some of their, like, bank accounts or something, if I recall. Oh, really? Or like, how much money each some of the characters have. And she's, like, almost a millionaire. Like, she, she's rich as hell, just because she's been working her whole life. You saw how much Hayasaka has? Huh. She's been working her whole life, and she has never really spent right. any money mm. because she hasn't had time to. So... I think she has an absurd amount that, of money. It makes sense. I don't know exactly the amount, obviously. I, I like Don't quote me on any amounts that I may have said, but she has a lot of money, if I recall. So she could definitely get a place for, uh, of her own, I'm sure. Right, right. Um, if not, for sure. uh, maybe she can... Or, well, her mother probably lives in in one of the Shinomiya mansions or something. I, I assume that her mother's in Kyoto. Yeah, probably. Probably. With the main family. Anyway, so whether she's living on her own or some other instance, uh, she's wearing a maid outfit near the end, and she has that hairstyle too. Like there's there's an in between, like kind of uh, little illustration of her, and she's talking about the security system in the student council. Oh, room. that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's wearing she's wearing a maid outfit still. So it's like, wait, I thought you were done being like serving. That family, or is this a part-time job? Like, does she work at a maid cafe now? Hey, maybe. Yeah, like I mean, that was kind of something she was a little bit interested in back when she right. they had that thing at the culture festival. So hey, yeah, maybe, maybe. I I, I kind of like that idea. I didn't actually really think about it when I saw this image the first time, but yeah, that I think that that works as as an explanation. If she's still there, the Shinomi place, it's like then. I mean, I, I know what, what everything that happened was still important, but at the same time, it would be a little uh, redundant, not redundant, anticlimactic if mm. she's still there and just working working as a servant. Yeah, there's no way. But there's I, no way that's the case, I yeah. feel. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just... I mean, if it, I mean, if it is, okay, it is what it is, and I'll, I'll accept it, I'm, you know... They have a closer bond now. That's great. Yeah. But I hope that it's not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I feel pretty confident that this is the end of her days as a servant. She's she's free now. Yeah. That's good. Like, they were very clear about that. And I think no, that... No, yeah. Very true. I think that's pretty safe to say that she she's not serving anyone. So, yeah. Uh, then let's move on to Kaguya herself. Learning that I had been doing all those things behind her back, like giving her the head family all that information about her, must have been. I I'm quite. I I feel pretty confident in saying that that must have been the greatest betrayal that Kaguya had ever experienced in her life. Yeah, no joke. Like that's, like, obviously there's circumstances to it that doesn't make I into a terrible person, but it's still a, an awful betrayal. Uh, especially just learning it initially and not really knowing the circumstances at first. And, you know, just that feeling must have been absolutely like a nightmare for Kaguya in that moment. Uh, but even still, she genuinely wanted to forgive her, uh, even though it was really, really difficult for her to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really great of her to to actually want to forgive someone who had not only you know, betrayed her worse than anyone ever had. But also, having had the mindset that Kaguya had of, like, 
people who betray me can never be forgiven. So like with all, all those things in mind, I think it was absolutely fantastic of her to want to try to forgive her uh, as hard as it was and that she actually ultimately was able to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was beautiful. And not only was she not able to forgive those people who she you know, believe betrayed her, mm. she would cut uh, cut them off, right. uh, cut them out of her life. Uh, but here we see that she's willing to forgive and wants to keep being with Haisaka, you know, being being friends or at least become friends, in, yeah. I guess, in that, I guess, in this case. Yeah. And for me, like probably, well, I'll say one of the strongest or most powerful moments in this volume to me was when Kaguya just smacked her brother like that on that big Dude. image. Like she just smacked him because he was, you know, he was preventing her and I from from settling there their dispute um and she, she, like just that smack i got really emotional seeing that because it really showed how desperate kagea was to mm. work things out with i in that moment despite of how utterly betrayed she felt at the time she she was really really willing to to work things out and to get back on on good terms somehow even though it was really really difficult right <clears throat> sorry my voice is all over the place today <laughs> no worries we talk <laughs> Uh, remember how I said Unio had a very punchable face? Apparently, Kaguya <laughs> agreed. Yes. Absolutely dexed him. I, lo- I, I did not expect that whatsoever. I was just, yeah. like, using expression when his I said his face was punchable, <laughs> yeah. you know? But to actually have that happen, it was like, no way. Oh, my God. Yeah. I totally forgot you said that. But, yeah, that's so Go, true. Go, Kaguya. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was so great. Yeah. I was a little worried that Unyo will ret- retaliate in a very bad way. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Mm. But I think it was it was great for her um, to just kind of put her foot on the ground. Yeah, and or the fist in the face in this in this case, <laughs> and just you stand stand for the a person who is very important to her. Yeah, hell yeah, so good. Oh, I think that whole moment and, and not only standing up against her older brother, but also wanting to forgive Hayasaka hmm. is evidence of how much she's changed. And I think yeah. the volume it talks about this. If she hadn't joined the student council, council, if she hadn't met Miyuki and accepted her feelings for him, but also grow in her friendships and relationships with other people, yeah. I don't think she would have reached this point where she could potentially forgive someone. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, and and uh, Unio even points that out. Like he didn't expect Kage to react this way at all. Like he expected yeah. her. He he probably thought that he and her were on more or less the same wavelength because they had a very similar upbringing and stuff like that. But he he ended up being very wrong about that because Kage has definitely changed thanks to the student council. For sure. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful to see that. Anything more on that scene regarding Kage? Not on that scene. I think I have mm. just a. One or two more, maybe on right. Kaguya. So she's a Yutsubame shipper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think that's, I think that makes sense. It, with, it does. With everything she's been through mm-hmm. with helping Ishigami. Exactly. It, I think, yeah, it would make sense she would join that that ship. I think so as as well. Uh, so and and like the thing is the way it was depicted in this volume. Obviously, we'll talk more about the specific characters and their views on this ship as we talk about those characters, but. Um, the way 
that debate arose in this volume, I thought was very interesting because while I've made it clear since quite a long time back, and I think you as well, we are more on the you Miko ship side of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can absolutely also, you know, sympathize with the other side because because oh, totally. obviously that's more of what actually what what you feels in this moment, or at least what we know of. Uh, he hasn't actually expressed any affection for Miko. I see where Kaguya is coming from. I think mm. they make a good couple, um, you know, and I don't think it would be bad for either person if that were to continue. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what becomes of this uh, aspect, uh, this new, like, shipping thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love how she gets in a fight with Subaru about who knows I better. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's very it's very cute. Yeah, that was I, funny. I mean, Kaguya's like, she can't say that they are friends or anything more than acquaintances. But she's like, no, I know her better. <laughs> that's uh, so I, I that's that. so Kaguya. Like she was very like well she she contradicted herself a lot in that oh, yeah. in those scenes with so. those two girls. It was <laughs> yeah. that and then it was also the thing at the beginning where she said like, "Oh, like the relationship between a man and a woman doesn't have to be doesn't have to be romantic." But then yeah, when she saw I with Miyuki, it just completely changed. <laughs> it was really funny. Plutonic uh, relationship with men and, men and women don't exist or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Great great Kaguya. <laughs> yeah, good great moments. Uh-huh. One of the rumors that, and now for a moment that's maybe not so funny and kind of sad. Mm-hmm. One of the rumors she heard growing up was she's the product of an of an affair. Right. And I don't I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, we don't know. But I mean, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised knowing what we know of her father. Yeah. It's uh, an interesting aspect that I didn't I didn't think we knew before, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't me, think so either. Yeah, I mm. kind of had assumed that Kaguya's mom was just the the main wife, and that most of the well, when we when we heard found out that she had siblings, that all of them were had the same mother. But I guess that's not the case. Yeah, right. Because apparently only the old the two oldest brothers have the original wife as their mother, and then yeah. Unyo has someone else as well. So he and Kaguya are a little bit of like kind of outsiders in a in a way mm-hmm. in that regard I and mean, no wonder she hates rumors i mean it, yeah it started from like a young age where she was hearing that kind of stuff right yeah damn so are we moving on yeah i'm done then let's talk about miyuki he noticed ice cry for help at the start of the volume or rather kind of at the end of the previous volume when she when he saw you know she had let out her hair to make her more easily mm-hmm. recognizable to him of course he would notice. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was a, a nice way kind of he got to make up for earlier in the story where he kind of failed to notice her cry for help during the karaoke thing they did together. True. He didn't really pick up all the pieces then, but he did this time and he was definitely able to make up for it and then some, I think, in in this book. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame him for not no. being able to pick, <laughs> pick up sure. on it, you know, it's... He couldn't even pick up that Kaguya wanted to hold his hand in volume 15. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You got me there. Uh, but uh, he, he doesn't feel guilty about asking people for help because he always he's always prepared to help others 
in need himself. So I, I love I love that mentality That's of his, true. where people helping each each other, uh, always being like an option uh, in his mind. I think it's a beautiful mentality that I think a lot of people should, or everyone should should think like that. Everyone should be ready to help others and also not be afraid of asking for help. Yeah, it's a very good lesson. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because despite being as obsessed with his studies and it, making sure he's top in the class and working as hard as he does, he, he says this and I'm like, wait, is he one to ask for help? I mean, in some cases, I guess he's kind of reluctant, like with maybe some of the things he struggles with, with Chica. But I guess he mm. did ask for help at, at some point. But mm. the time that I think about is the the cultural festival where he has the whole heart plan. You know, he right. actually goes around asking people to do certain things. True. Um, and I, I I didn't think about that. Yeah, he's very <laughs> he's very willing to ask for help. Right. I think he kind of blackmailed them her not blackmailed them but kind of twisted their arm to do so but and the but yeah it's it's a very nice very nice uh lesson absolutely mm. that's all i have on me i don't have i don't have much oh really okay then i have a couple other things as the student council president he doesn't want to choose a side in that whole shipping debate thing uh can't blame him no absolutely him. absolutely uh but that also conflicts with him also wanting to support kaguya obviously being her boyfriend <laughs> so that was a little it was an interesting little internal dilemma there um yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to be like there's going to be anything more on that I'm, I'm i'm obviously there were some things with miko that we'll talk about probably during our miko discussion in a little bit here but um uh-huh. i think I have a feeling maybe he might cite on the you Miko thing, perhaps maybe. Although I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just. I guess maybe like drama is important, but at the same time, I I hope it doesn't get <laughs> stupidly messy with Kaguya supporting mm. the one ship and Yuki the on the other side. Yeah. But we'll see. At the very least, I I I can't see Miyuki not supporting Miko at this point. Yeah, I feel like... Because they've had this thing going now with the junior and senior classmate chapters where they've, right. they've started to build a bond together. So I also, I, have a hard, I also have a hard time seeing him not siding with her. But, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm, really, I'm really interested to see where that's going to lead. But um, speaking of that chapter, at the start of it, he, he said to himself, or he thought to himself, that he would take kind of the roundabout route to figure out if... if she likes you and yeah then i flip the page and the first thing he says is by the way are you in love with anyone <laughs> like <laughs> roundabout right my ass <laughs> it's like god damn it, it's like he had an idea of how to get to to that point but then he got so excited he skipped a couple steps exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> i thought that was really funny uh so not not so smooth, but it worked out ultimately in the end. So it was great. Um, and my last thing on Miyuki was that also during that chapter, he seemed very skeptical toward the Sutra mantra activity thing that he was starting to do with uh, Miko. You know, at first he seemed very skeptical to it, to it, but mm-hmm. by the end he seemed to genuinely be enjoying it. Like 
he seemed to really actually have a good time and see some actually profound things in it, which I thought was awesome. Uh, and it was also an improvement from earlier in the story when they did poetry together the first time. Like, he didn't seem to ever really get super into that. He he seemed to mostly be doing it to, to kind of, I, I guess, get to learn Miko a little bit more. But this this was something he actually started to enjoy toward the end of that. So I thought that was really nice to see. Like, something that these two characters can bond over. Hmm. So yeah, I guess that's it for, for Miyuki. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to Miko Ino. She's in so much pain. Oh gosh, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, and it's been they've been throwing us hints like toward like toward her feeling like being in so much pain for several volumes now. I feel uh, mm-hmm. in various ways, uh, but luckily I think something else that we've also kind of gotten to understand about Miku is that she does. A lot of the time she has some pretty good methods to distract herself from the pain or otherwise soothe her negative emotions, you know, right. through different means. You know, she, she's been listening to those, that, that the heartbeats in one of the yeah. recent volumes and, and listening to like hot guys talking to her in an encouraging manner and elephants yeah, I, sounds I, I, and whatnot. <laughs> but and then in this book, she, she did the copying sutras by hand. Like that that's mm. relaxing to her. So like she has... Uh, various little things that help her out to deal with this pain, uh, which I think is at least good, all things considered. Yeah. It's healthy that she has ways to calm herself down, Mm. but it it also is kind of her maybe not addressing the issue or or hiding her feelings away and not addressing them. True. And I guess for some people, maybe that's how you cope. Um, I'm not going to shame anybody for you know, getting over something like that by just putting your mind off it. But mm. I think she's still really hurting even after doing all that. And True. I just, I think having someone to talk to and, or at least, at least being honest about her feelings, which it seems like she is here towards the end with Miyuki, uh-huh. that could really help her going forward um, in, in understanding her feelings and, and, maybe not hurting as much absolutely yeah like yeah at at long last she really opened up to someone and you know she's she because she's been bottling all these feelings up inside for so long it seems right and like and i've been very anxious to to kind of see this to see her opening up to miyuki especially ever since we started getting these senior and junior classmate chapters because it it seemed like it was going to lead up to something like that between her and miyuki uh, mm-hmm. And we did really finally got that toward the end of this volume. You know, she even asked him for help. And I'm, I'm really proud of her for, for being able to finally do that. And very excited to see where this is going to lead. I, I, I can't wait. I hope... I know it said, like, the the next volume will probably be more about the YouTube sensation. Oh. Uh, that is Shirogane Tad. <laughs> but I hope the next volume does touch on what or how... Miyuki's going to help Miko. I, I I know you can't rush things, but I want to know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I really value Akasaka's sort of slow pace that he's been going through this series yeah. pretty much the whole time. But yeah, obviously, obviously, I'm also super excited. Like, I can't wait to actually get to, to some of these juicier yeah, yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's interesting... Er, 
it's actually kind of sad that there's moments where you can see her holding the keychain heart. Yes. Uh, like when she's talking to Kobachi. Exactly. And it, she's she's really thinking about it. Mm. And I just was thinking because she when when she's telling Miyuki about her feelings, she says how much she hates him, and yet she it feels this pain in her heart. Yeah. And so I was wondering, was it really that moment? where she fell for him or had it been happening before like i'm not i'm not quite sure i'm pretty sure it's been building up for a while right okay i'm pretty I, sure I, like i wanted to i wanted to think that but then i remember that moment with the the heart key chain i was like oh wait is that supposed to be the trigger <laughs> and i know i know it's very important but i i mm. i want to think that her feelings have kind of somewhat been there like kind of uh dormant yeah but it wasn't until recently that it would it started to really come up i think I, I like to think so as well um i think she obviously she's in conflict with herself over this because like as she says like she has a certain type that she likes mm-hmm. but she also clarified and said that she won't necessarily fall for some someone who checks all of those boxes uh, and she might not even just somebody fall. who checks none of those boxes. exactly she might fall for someone who checks none of them aka <laughs> you and it really seems to be that way and i think that's a very true and wise assessment on her part to yeah well firstly to to kind of make that statement but yeah it's, it's really it's interesting kind of because it definitely is conflicting to her i think because he's kind of the opposite of what she considers to be her type Yet she has these feelings for him that she can't control, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's true. That, that that's love in a lot of cases. You know, you don't necessarily choose who you fall in love with, or maybe you never do. Yeah. It's like it just happens. You can't really control that kind of thing. I think that's really interesting. And actually, as you were, you you touched earlier on how she kind of expressed her sadness at the end to to Miyuki. Like the way she described that, I thought was amazing. She said. I felt a sharp sting in the back of my nose, and my heart hurt. The heart hurting, I, I mean, makes sense, but it, that's not the part of this quote that I guess I thought was special, because heart hurting is, like, that. that's, I guess, right. a, a, anyone who's in love can, like, can say, oh, my heart hurts, or whatever. But the other thing she said, like, I felt a sharp sting in the back of my nose, I thought that was such a great detail, because that's the type of sensation that, I know in my life, I've taken note of it several times when I've been feeling very sad and or when I've been very close to crying. I have felt mm-hmm. this sting in my nose, kind of. But I don't think I've ever actually heard anyone else talk about it or, like, make note of it in any way until now in this volume uh, where Akasaka is, is incorporating it into Miko's description of how she felt during that moment. So, I, I, I don't know, to me, that's just... A really cool way to describe that that to me is unique because I've never seen it before and it's also relatable because it's something that I've definitely taken note of many times in my life so I, I, I just thought that was a really cool kind of description of that agreed I, I reread that line a few times just to understand it or to to like take it in because I thought it was an inter- interesting perspective yeah that yeah you don't really ever see so I guess more on the lighthearted side, when she's playing the card game. Yes. <laughs> um, 
she really puts what's on her mind out on the table. Clearly, um, mm. I, I guess that is on par for her. But it is. It was just funny that in a game where you can make up any word you want, <laughs> she chooses these specific words. But I guess she was just doing the ones that came to her mind. Exactly. Yeah. Date, inquiry, senpai, and pain. Definitely all related to like the Miko Yutsubame love triangle. Exactly. In in some way. Right. Something that I noticed that could be just a coincidence, huh. but the letter that's on top of the pile when she has her last car is me. And the last card that she has is Cole. Oh. Miko. Oh, that's that's really funny. Oh my god. I don't know if that's <laughs> intentional on his part. It t- totally or... could be, I think. But Yeah, that's really weird. Regardless, that's that, that's a really cool catch. <laughs> nice. Either way, like she wasn't able to finish the job. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about that later, I assume. For sure, for sure. Uh and she didn't she did end up apologizing to you eventually. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. after he apologized to her too, um, but she was like interrupted by Chica right as she said it. So yeah. I don't know if I don't know if anyone heard it, but but she did do it at least. No, she did. Yeah, I. Oh man, I was a little bit upset about Chica. Well, Chica like interrupting that apology. Yeah. I was like, wait, no, not now. <laughs> right. You're adorable, and I, I love everything you do, but not right now. <laughs> yeah. Let, uh, let Miko talk. <laughs> exactly. Whew, yeah. Great, great, great moments. Uh, and um, later in the chapter with Miyuki, she sort of out of the blue admitted to saying, or she, she said that she knew that Miko and Kaguya were dating. Uh, right. Just kind of out of nowhere. And what makes that even more, or what or to me, what made that even more kind of random was that Right, pretty much right after she said it, she just carried on the conversation like nothing happened. Like, like, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like she. I, I guess, I think it's a, it's a nice, change of pace in a way because, uh, maybe not everyone at the student council, although definitely Chica, but, uh, a lot of students at the school are very obsessed with the, the idea that ooh, Kage and Miyuki dating that would be so cool. Like ever since chapter one, literally, that's been like mm-hmm. a, a thing established. Like several students being obsessed with kind of shipping these two uh the, like the student council president and the vice president but here we have miko who doesn't really seem to care that much i mean i'm sure she supports it and is is, is happy for them oh sure absolutely but but she doesn't make that massive of a deal about it which i think i think is pretty cool <laughs> yeah and also the fact that she figured it out somehow i think that's pretty cool too <laughs> right like i so i read it i was like wait did we already knew did we already know that she knew or is this the first time that we found out that she knew, right? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I yeah, I don't remember seeing her. Like, was anything with Kaguya, right? Like, where they where they? Because I know no. Kaguya's talked to a few people, and they found out that they were dating. Yeah, but but not Miko wasn't one of them, right? No, I think it was just Maki and Kashiwagi. Okay, that's right. I think maybe I was thinking of Maki. I think that's what it was. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Miko. There hasn't been anything prior to this, so yeah, I was also surprised. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe maybe it will just the whole realization that these two are dating will just happen over time, but right. you know you would you would think that <laughs> Ishigami and Chika would figure it out. Like you would think it's right in front of their faces. At least you. I'm not so sure about Chika because with these two Chika, specifically. No, okay, no, 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 no. Hold up. With hold these up. two characters she, specifically, I think she's more oblivious than, okay, than she usually yes. is. Yes. 
that that is true with these two <laughs> characters specifically. But if it, but she is so good at sniffing out love things, yes. and she she was able to figure out who you liked uh-huh. and everything. I think that, yeah, for some reason she's just completely dense about this. Yeah. So it, both of them are just dense about it. So it, it, it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad Mika was able to figure it out because it's just so dang obvious at this point. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, do you get anything more on Miko? I don't. Sweet. Then let's talk about Yu Ishigami. I don't got anything on her. <laughs> no, nothing at all? No, I don't. Interesting. Okay, then I'll, I guess I'll uh, bring up a, th- a few points here. Uh, his words during the game were not as obviously related to things related to that as Miko's, but his words were chastity, high-handed, unathletic, always late, and you lose. The you lose part was probably just the fact that, you know, that that's how he had the, the one he won the game with. So that one probably wasn't really right. related to anything. But the others, I was trying to find kind of reasons for those words just because we had the Miko words. And I think in a way you can maybe apply those to him because they're sort of adjectives, most of them, uh, that sort of describe him. Chastity, definitely, with him and Koyasu. <laughs> and high-handed, absolutely, with him... Toward like Chica and Miko, uh, sometimes especially toward Chica. Unathletic, I wasn't as it was a little harder for me to f- figure out because he he's mentioned that he used to be in some sports team yeah, when he was younger. He, I think he's athletic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Especially also, it was also I think made rather clear in the sports festival where he didn't win in the race, but he actually he closed the gap pretty pretty well because he he got like he he started after the guy he was racing. So, and yeah, he definitely closed the gap there. So he is a fast runner. Um, however, one thing where I could argue that he is unathletic, uh, I, cause I was like desperately, desperately trying to find a reason to make this work was <laughs> from the arm wrestling chapter where it's made clear that he and Miko, those two characters specifically in the student council are the two that are below average arm strength. Uh, for their respective genders. Oh, yeah. Everyone else. Uh, ah. Miyuki, Kaguya, and Chika are all above average strength. But huh. you and Miko are not. They, they're below. So, unathletic in that sense, I suppose, could be applied to both him and Miko. Um, although, athletic really is such a broad thing, so it's kind of hard to True. say. Always late was also a hard one to, to say. I guess, cause since he maybe doesn't really always give a damn about school and stuff, maybe he's often late to things school related i don't know but anyway i guess mm-hmm. that, that that's all i had to kind of <laughs> speculate on gotcha for that um battle uh, 189 kage impossible demand buddha's stone bowl yeah is something i'd like, like to touch on here enlighten me already obviously we had and actually again in this volume we had the kauri a swallow gave birth to uh, which I've pointed out before, was a reference to the tale of the bamboo cutter being one of the items that the Princess Kaguya uh, demanded from uh, her suitors. Because uh, she had five unwanted suitors, and she gave each of them a task to to bring her a specific thing. Uh, one of them got the... or well, One of them had to bring her that cowrie born from a swallow. Uh, and another one had to bring her... Uh, the stone begging bowl of the Buddha. So okay. this is this just an, one 
another one of those five items that Princess Kaguya from the Tale of the Bamboo Cutter tasked these suitors to, to fetch for her. And I'm not entirely sure how to bring, or kind of how to link that specific item to this, because we were able to kind of draw a line from the, the cow reborn from a swallow with, you mentioned that Tsubame means swallow in Japanese. So mm -hmm. there was a line to be drawn there. And this stone bowl of the Buddha, I'm not as sure of kind of how that fits in if it does, but it is at least also uh, similar to the, the cowrie born from, born from a swallow, also like one of those items. Do you have any ideas there by chance? Oh, no, no idea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would have to know more about that story mm. with the, this, this uh, Buddhist stone begging bowl mm -hmm. um, and how that goes down. Does there any, is there anything more to how, like the suitor does does he find something does he does he ever come back with i can't her? remember no or or well or with a none a of them one or something none of them are able to actually find these things because they are impossible to get right um i know that one of them brings back like a fake of whatever they were tasked to get i can't remember which one that was though if it was this one or if it was one of the other items because there were five of them and i can't remember all of them exactly um, because if it's if it's this one, uh -huh. like if it's the stone bowl, then you could argue that the relationship that's right for Ishigami is actually not Tsubame, mm. and that's the fake one, whereas the other one mm. is actually the real one. But <laughs> Maybe. that's kind of a stretch. I mean, potentially, at least if that is this item, <laughs> which I, I we can't say for sure right now. Right, that's true. Uh, I mean, but but if, if no, it is... you idiot, it's the <laughs> anyway. Sorry. <laughs> if it is, then then absolutely maybe. Uh, definitely, maybe. So one other thing I had on you, I think the fact that we only got to hear a little bit about his de his dates with Tsubame, like we didn't actually get to see any of it, that sort of makes me suspect that their ship isn't Endgame. Like that's one of the yeah. one of the things that kind of ma makes me feel that way because Tsubame, mm -hmm. she just hasn't gotten enough focus lately to justify a long lasting relationship with any one of the main characters. And when she does get focus, it's more kind of personal because there has been mm. some character growth yeah. with her, but it's but it's usually not with another uh, or other characters or at least main ones. Mm. Even Ishigami, aside from the Christmas party, hasn't had too many moments with her compared to Miko yeah. or any other guys. True, true. Yeah, like ex exactly since volume. 17 like volume 17 18 19 she hasn't had that much to do mm -hmm. but anyway uh that's all i had on you i actually had another th thought just now about mm -hmm. what the stone could represent or the stone bowl could be all right maybe because it's just another impossible task <laughs> maybe it's act towards miyuki in that he has he has the impossible task of choosing which side to support. <laughs> ah, maybe honestly, perhaps uh, <laughs> could be again another stretch. But <laughs> that's what you get for naming the title something cryptic like this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun to talk about though. I I do I, I you know I'm always on the lookout for these uh, references to the tale of the bamboo cutter. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, moving on to Chika Fujiwara then. Okay. 
Of course I have stuff on Chica. Of course, of course. <laughs> I think of course I, have, I do. I have two things, I think. <laughs> I like how Chica helps out Hayasaka and Miyuki. Mm. She's so willing to help, even without knowing the details. Like, the, on the phone call, she mentioned, you better tell me what's going on, but she's you know, still helping him, helping out. And I, I really appreciate that about her. Yeah. She may have gone a little crazy with some of her <laughs> excuses, but still, <laughs> yeah. great friend. Yeah, totally. And I guess this is more on the funny side, but third wheel Chica, like she totally inter- interrupts ah. Miyuki and and uh, Kaguya's date. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of third wheel. <laughs> that was great. But how did, at that point, how did she not say, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> like, how did she not just put that together? I don't know. I don't know. She's She's been with them the longest. She's been with them from the start. Like, it's true. She has been there at least two volumes longer than any other character yet yeah. she ha- she's probably the furthest away out of the student council members to figuring it out <laughs> is she in denial is she just oh there's no way that they- these two would ever get together they of course not like mm. i does she not want it to happen like i don't even know i don't yeah. know um <laughs> so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about it anymore Right, right. Uh, I think she enjoys watching people suffer. I think that was, I think oh, yeah. that's a line from Miyuki. Yes. And you know, <laughs> he's not completely wrong. I <sighs> like. I think she likes to see people uncomfortable in like games and stuff like that. Like she likes that. She she relishes that. Totally. But you know, actual suffering. I don't think she <laughs> she enjoys. <laughs> no, no, no. For sure, for sure. There's a difference there, and uh, hopefully we can say the same thing about her younger sister. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> I, I I think enjoy may not be the, quite the right word in that aspect. Yeah. It, close, but not quite right. I will say that Chica rescuing I by desperately having to go to the bathroom was brilliant. Like <laughs> yeah. that, that that specific save. And like, and like mm-hmm. at the moment, you know, it just seemed like a random Chica moment. But as we saw like a few panels after that, apparently it was like, intentional she actually did that on purpose to to help i out mm. so that i thought that was yeah awesome <laughs> yeah it, it was kind of a catch you off guard kind of a thing you know yeah yeah um so that that was that was really nice of her yeah i think i think perhaps to me the most important thing that we learned about chica this volume was that she is a miko yu shipper <laughs> yeah i thought that was uh great to to have her on our side <laughs> It's it's true, and I I think again when we were discussing this before, I th- I think we were kind of touching on that that mm. she could tell there was something going on between those two. Yes, uh, and that's that's why she was kind of Egan Ishigami on. It's like oh, you just need to be nice to her. Like she'll uh-huh. melt in your hands or, or whatever. <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I it's nice to have that confirmation. And mm. I, again, she's such a a sweet person when she's not playing games. Yeah. That she wants to help Miko out. She wants them, those two, to be happy. She wants to see them keep fighting because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, she. I think she's, she says that at one point. She, she does. She's not that good at debating like her points. <laughs> yeah. Like the points she makes aren't necessarily the brightest. <laughs> but hey, her her heart is in the right place. <laughs> it is. <sighs> now going back to the chapter with the cards, mm. Ishigami says, "When have you ever helped me, to Chika?" And yeah. obviously he doesn't know about the report or any or any of the th- stuff that she did with the student council to help. True. So I wonder if that kind of hurt her in any way. But she didn't say anything. 
she either it didn't come into her head or she respect still respects Ishigami wishes to not talk about that. Mm. I mean, at least while she didn't reveal that to him, at least she definitely got upset at him for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she wanted to yeah. challenge him to that game and stuff <laughs> like, like so. <laughs> she got she, she got out her her anger that way somehow. Right. <laughs> I really hope Ishigami. I mean, I, I love Ishigami, uh-huh. and I think you know he's a great guy. I hope he understands. I mean, not just Chika, but what what the whole student council has done for him. Yeah. Um, besides just Miyuki, for sure. I, I guess I guess Cheek is the biggest one though. He I, he literally says, "When have you ever helped me?" Which is it's not true. Yeah. But. Yeah, he he needs to find out at some point. Yeah, and, and that's all I have. All right, then let's move on to talk about Unio Shinomiya for a bit. Well, we saw him in the previous volume a little bit, but it's made very clear at the start of this volume that he wants Ice secrets and he tries to force her to start working for him. It's kind of his mm-hmm. goal starting off. And he remarks about all the bugs on the mountain when he gets there to where Miyuki and I are. And I thought that was a really nice callback to Miyuki's fear of mountain bugs from one of the very earliest volumes. Oh. Uh, at least I think it was intentional. Because that was a pretty big thing there, but his, his... I never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't want to go to the mountains because there's bugs in the mountains. <laughs> I thought that was pretty neat. <laughs> uh, and um, well, we talked about some of the similarities, I guess, between Unio and Kaguya earlier. But I, I thought that was really interesting to kind of see how Kaguya might have turned out if she hadn't found the student council right. in him, because they have very similar upbringings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So. I thought that was interesting. You know, Unio is obviously not a great guy, mm. um, and he did. He's probably done some shady stuff. Yeah. But I, I think that he's a product of the Shinomiya family, you know, the clan, and mm. I mean, obviously, he, you have, he has consequences for the choices and everything. Yeah. But you do kind of, especially towards the end, sympathize with his situation and mm-hmm. how he's kind of clawing his way up from the bottom just similar to how she, kind of Kaguya's uh, position is mm-hmm. and just their their whole family uh, situation is just messed up totally yeah so, well he has a very punchable face and what he does <laughs> is deplorable I think that uh, he gets a little more sympathy from me in the end yeah not, not complete sympathy but right well com- t- totally totally and I, I i agree with you 100 percent. and it's also uh mentioned in his bio that we got between two of the chapters here that kaguya thinks that he's a decent person compared to the two older brothers yeah um, oh so like <laughs> i don't i'm a little bit terrified of actually meeting them we now know the name of the oldest oko right exactly yeah that's right that's right so that's that's neat. Unyo had a similar relationship with Nao Hayasaka that Kaguya and I do. Right. Uh, and they could have maybe be, even been friends and and you know had a, had a great thing going between them. Mm. I'm, I'm not talking romance or anything like that. Just just right. you know friendship. Yeah, yeah. But I I guess because of Oko that all came down and he felt betrayed and so he just cut ties completely precisely so, ba- so it could have happened that way for kaguya as well if not for the student council exactly exactly or if oko had gotten to i first well technically he did 
Well, okay, sure, sure. But I, I'm, I'm more specifically if he had like right now in this in this part of the story where I think she was specifically vulnerable right here. Uh, if he had showed up instead of instead of Unio, for example, hmm. like things could have gone much worse potentially. Makes sense. Although we can't know for sure. But but yeah, that that was interesting about now kind of their like her past with Unio was interesting to learn a bit more about that. Yeah. Did not expect that. No, for sure. And another thing about Unio is apparently he doesn't think very highly of himself since he refers to himself as a good for nothing. True. At one point here. So that's also kind of sad. Like like yeah. for like another one of those little reasons that make me sympathize with him ever so slightly. <laughs> Um, so I think really, I don't think he's a threat from this point on. I don't think that he is a man of his word. We learn like, I don't think he's going to play an antagonistic role anymore moving forward. Um, yeah. I think the two older brothers and the father are much more, much more of a threat <laughs> from now on. If anything, Unio might assist Kaguya in some way. It may not be in yeah. a, a like, crazy amount of help, but... Maybe he'll protect Kaguya somehow from the uh, the sib- older siblings. Exactly. Who knows? Right. So yeah, I think that could be could be pretty cool. Cause he yeah, as as we've said, like he he doesn't seem to be all bad. Right. So that's cool. Anything more on Unio? No. Let's move on to Kobachi Osaragi. Finally, she admits straight up that she is a Yutsubami shipper. <laughs> the truth comes out. Yeah, we p- pretty much had it figured out already, but it's nice to see it right <laughs> on the page. They have footage of her taking the notebook. Exactly. Uh, that's interesting. I I kind of want to see the actual footage just to, just to know when she took it and how. Because, I don't know, because like I said before... She was literally walking with Miko when they saw Tsubame and mm. Ishigami. Yeah. And then they, they I think they even heard some gossip again. I'm not I'm not sure, but then then Miko is in the student council room and Osaragi's not there. So yeah, ma- sure. maybe she came back at a different time and and grabbed it cuz it's never locked. So that right. could be it. Yeah, because based on the interaction between Kobachi and Kaguya in that chapter, I got the feeling like Kobachi went there by herself to get the book. Like it just—it yeah. seemed that way. Obviously, it doesn't have to be, but it seemed that way to me. Uh, but I definitely, I, as I said last time when we talked about Volume Eighteen, I really liked your speculation there on how it may have gone down with her and Miko. But uh, but yeah, at this point, I don't think that's how it went down. But still, that totally could. So basically, Miko could potentially still be in the dark. She could about be. Yeah. That whole incident. She could be. Although I also still like to think that maybe she sort of knew from the start, potentially, somehow. Although mm-hmm. we can't know for sure. So uh, I'm sure. I'm excited to see or maybe to learn more about that as the story goes on. Right, right. While they were debating the the ships in that, in that chapter when they did that, mm-hmm. one of Kobachi's arguments was that Tsubame is the same type of girl as Kyoko Otomo. Yeah. Uh, which was nice to see her being brought up again. Mm-hmm. in this volume and that her point was basically that being rejected by both of them both of these being the same types the same type of girl that would crush you's heart uh which is a fair point i suppose except for the fact that we don't know that you necessarily had romantic feelings for kyoko right uh i, exactly. I in fact i think the way he explained it in like his like as he was kind of narrating 
his backstory, if I recall, I think he even sort of made a point out of that he didn't really necessarily have romantic feelings for her, but he had a lot of respect for her, like she was a very nice person, something along those lines. Right. So it wasn't, I, I don't think it was romantic. Um, so I think that fact sort of makes her, makes Kobachi's point there invalid, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like they're, it's like even though they know the truth, they're still under the assumption that he had feelings for her. Mm. And I, I, I guess one could argue that Ishigami was in denial, but I think you've mm. got to take Ishigami's word for it. Yeah. Although they haven't heard from his mouth himself the whole situation, I guess. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, and last thing I have on Kobachi is that we learn, and this is actually something that surprised me a little bit, that apparently a lot of the girls in the school dislike her uh, and even hate her. She used the word hate. Um, mm-hmm. which I had no idea about. Um, so I just, I just wondered why, why, why could this be? Could it be that they're jealous of her beauty? <laughs> or I think that's exactly what it is. You, you think so? <laughs> uh, like, well, jealous of the beauty, but you know, because all the boys fawn over her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of the a, a stereotype in writing where mm. the, the beautiful girl gets all, gets all the guys. So all the girls, hater and so she doesn't have very many girlfriends or whatever you know right i mean fair um, fair but yeah that, that that definitely could be it I'm, I'm just really intrigued by this now since this just this was just revealed sort of uh mm-hmm. and uh you know I'm, i i feel pretty confident that we will maybe go into her backstory a bit or at the very least i hope so at, at the very least get, give her more focus um to get to know her better and to get her know her well, her situation better, and to see her eyes better. <laughs> Please! I was actually more so surprised at the fact that she empathized with Ishigami. Oh. I didn't realize that was her kind of motivation for wanting to support him, at least partly. Mm. Um, I always, I just thought she, you know, didn't, or didn't believe the rumors or thought, just thought differently. I didn't think there was actually some sort of empathy coming from her. So that that was a, an interesting reveal for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I hope we understand why um, she empathize, empathizes with him. Like, you know, why do the everyone, or not everyone, why do the girls not like her very much? Or hate right. her, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would love to get more information on that. Anything more on her? Nope. Then let's move on to, I guess, most of the other ones are more minor characters in this book. Let's start with Rei Onodera very slightly. The only thing I got here is that, well, obviously, she's a Miko Yu shipper. She's on the right side of the debate. <laughs> of course. Uh, and she's, she's been that way ever ever since Christmas party. Like, she right. she was there looking at them. She's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I, I get what she wants. <laughs> yeah. And she, she was being her wing woman yeah. through the whole thing. So, yeah. Rayo Onodera. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess there isn't anything more on her here now? No. No. Then let's talk about Daddy Shirogane next. Became a YouTuber. <laughs> he became a very successful YouTuber. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the streamer. Like I, I don't know if he only streams or if he also does videos, but at, at least he streams. Yeah, good question. Uh, but yeah, like, and he's been doing that for the last several months. It's really, really interesting. I wish we had that kind of success, or I had that kind of success. Yeah, it's, uh... You know why we don't? It's because we don't have the same clickbaity thumbnails that he does. 
<laughs> like True. his entire YouTube channel is so clickbaity. If you like that, that was I, I I thought that was so funny to see that. Like even the like the channel name and everything on there, like the uh the thumbnails, the names of the videos, everything was just so clickbaity and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he knows how to. That's true. He knows how to do that. He knows how to work it. <laughs> right. I mean, to be fair, even though he he uses some uh, clickbaity tactics, he does seem to give his fans some pretty good advice, which is sort of the selling point of his his yeah. uh, that, that's kind of his gimmick there, like giving advice to his fans, and and he seems to do it very well. So I think you know he he deserves he deserves what he what he gets there. It's great to see him doing something that brings him joy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything more on him? Nope. All right, then let's talk about his daughter, Keishirugane, a little bit. Obviously, there's not too much. Uh, no. She walks in front of the camera for money. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, that's kind Why of... is this something that would happen in real life? Like, I feel like this is totally just these weird people who would... Mm. Girl goes by, oh, pay money. Yeah. Like, I... It's... I don't know. It's a weird world, man. It's hilar- It's hilarious, <laughs> but I feel like that would really happen. Maybe I, I, not I that much money, but still. Right. Maybe, maybe the amount of money is a bit of an exaggeration, but still, yes, it absolutely would happen. Like, 100%. Or at least they would simp over her. Absolutely. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. She's in middle school, you sick punks! <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's it on her. Yeah. So let's talk about Tsubami Koyasu next. The Christmas party plan was not her idea, apparently. Oh, yeah. I mean, the party was, but the, the plan to get into that situation with Ishigami was not her plan. Hmm. I kind of put her decision there in a new light because mm. it just seemed off with what I thought her character was like to just go with it like that. Mm. Um, but to have it be one of her friend's ideas or plans makes yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, it was fun to see kind of her friend group. We had already met uh, Yume Atembo, like the occult club president. Yeah. We'd already met Good her. Night. <laughs> but it was fun to see like her little friend group, like to see kind of what their mm-hmm. little friend group dynamic was like and stuff like that. Even though it was just a very little taste of it, it was still nice to see that uh, because she has become definitely a prominent enough character to make us want more from her and to make us want to see more of what her life is like. So I thought that was an, this was one of those little things that was fun to know a little bit more of. But she's, she is still unsure of in what way she likes you. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking probably the answer she got from Daddy Shirogane might have helped her out in some way, although it's hard to say exactly which direction it took her. Right, yeah. So that remains to be seen, I suppose. Oh, I just think that choice of hers to do something about the the truth she learned in the planner is is an interesting one. Like ba- based on her decision to do, do how how does she, what kind of like does she does she have for Ishigami? What does she want to do with him? Yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting that that choice would lead her to wanting to talk with uh otomo which was was such a big reveal i was like what yeah exactly calling kyoko otomo at the end yeah and it it was really cool how she was name dropped earlier in the volume so she was it was a good setup it was very good setup and then like the final page sort of she was she was right there and yeah yeah this is this is very exciting now because 
bringing use backstory back into the forefront sort of in this way will be super exciting because that's i think a lot of people's favorites or a, a lot a lot of people probably has that like way up there and like one of their favorite parts mm -hmm. of the story so yeah it's gonna be i, I have very high hopes for this uh, coming volume or volumes i'm excited for her to learn the truth i think yeah people living in uh ignorance is not always the best thing absolutely Maybe for some it is. I don't know. But either way, uh, the, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, there may be some drama involved. And and that's why and that's why I wonder, what is her motivation, uh, Tsubami's motivation with all this? Does she want to do it because she just wants to be seen as a friend for Ishigami? Does she want to be seen as mm. a, an enemy? Kind of, not an enemy, but, you know... Not a, not a lover. I I don't I don't even know. I don't know how this is. Right. What kind of plan this plays out to be, and I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Later on. Related to how she feels about you, I agree. It's hard to say like why she's doing this. Right. I I, I don't think I necessarily thought about it in those terms exactly. I I guess I just sort of thought that she that this is the right thing to do in her mind. So she wants to set things straight or well she wants to inform kyoko about the truth and she she thinks she deserves the truth because apparently these two sort of knew each other they haven't been talking for quite a while evidently but but at mm -hmm. least they have known each other it's it it's pretty clear so she just right. i i just th i just think she wants to make make the truth clear to her yeah i, I don't think it's not related to her whole no. coming to grips with how she likes she got me true yeah yeah i it would be great if, if it was uh and if it's somehow yeah if it's tied to that somehow yeah yeah it's it's super exciting Th this definitely has me very excited for, for volume 20 <laughs> mm -hmm. for uh, sure yeah and uh tsubami is going on another date with you this coming weekend and i hope we'll at least get to see that one since we didn't get to see the first date yeah so come on <laughs> please at least show us this one <laughs> But Cheek is now aware of the dating situation, so <laughs> who knows if she'll try to uh, spy on them. Yeah. Maybe bring Miko along with her. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd oh be that. Bad. That would be that would be great. I think. <laughs> that would be. That would. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Pain. Like with those two characters spying together, I think would be a lot of fun, just because they would contrast each other so well. With totally. Chica just being this wild card, super excited and happy and, <laughs> and like, bubbly, and then Miko just being there, like, kind of like a Maki situation, just being in constant pain seeing the boy mm -hmm. she loves together with another girl. Or maybe not loves. I don't know if that's too strong at this point. At least she really likes him. She wants, she wants him, somehow. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything more on Tsubame? I don't. All right. Then is there any other character that you want to talk about? I know there's there's a couple of minor ones, but I don't think there's anyone that I specifically right. feel like I need to talk about. Um, uh, do you have any? I I'll just I'm just going to give one shout out to the uh Mizusu, no, Mizusu, that's a hard name. Miz, <laughs> Misuzu and Subaru. Yes. Uh yes. I I think they're it's surprising how great friends they are. You know, mm -hmm. They they like to gossip, but they'll never gossip about their best friend yeah. behind, behind her back. Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll they'll gladly do it in front. I don't know. I, I just I just like the vibe that they bring. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just shows that because I I don't know. I felt like because they were somewhat 
kind of popularish girls, kind of maybe. Well, yeah, I think they because they are they they hang they hang out with I when she's in her popular schoolgirl right. persona. So they're prob they're probably popular. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't know. I, I guess maybe I didn't have the the highest hopes for them, but they, but they're but they're very sweet, and I, mm. I think it goes to show that don't judge a book by by their cover. Absolutely. Um, totally. Yeah, just Hayasaka has friends. Exactly. Like she, she has. She needs to just accept that, uh-huh. that they care about her. Right. And I really think things will start looking up for her from this point on. Um, at, at least really it definitely happy. seems that way. You know, she's free. Yeah. She's free. And she has started to learn learn to be herself. Uh, and I think yeah. that's that's fantastic. But anyway, uh, since you mentioned those, I'm just going to mention one very quick one. Also, mostly oh. just a shout out, my girl Maki Shijo. I just gotta. She appeared <laughs> on a little, 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 little thing in this book where she, she was just kind of. <laughs> I saved that for the comedy because I thought it was oh. so funny. <laughs> I see. I just thought it was. Yeah, it was really funny. Like she, she's still obsessing over somehow getting together with Tsubasa through through these weird <laughs> methods. <laughs> uh, she's so cute, though. She is. She, she totally she's popping is. out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all for the individual characters. So let's move on to the relationships. And let's start with Kaguya, Shinomiya, and Ai Hayasaka. We've talked about, in previous volume discussions, we've talked about sort of their sisterly bond between these two characters. Um, but I think it's always been kind of restricted by their master-servant relationship. Yeah. Like, it hasn't... Like, even though it's definitely been, they've definitely had a very cool, nice relationship uh, between each other, it hasn't been able to fully thrive, I think, because of the servant-master relationship. Uh, And that being said, though, um, I think the several flashbacks throughout this volume uh, that I mentioned a little bit earlier, it really showed how much admiration and respect these two characters have for one another. Um, mm-hmm. And they that always has been there, really, from the very beginning. And and now that their master servant days are over, I'm sh- sure, like, completely confident that they will have a very easy time becoming, like, the best of friends. Oh yeah, uh, no doubt. Considering how much they've been through together and how much alike they are, mm-hmm. uh, I think things will, like, between these two characters, will from now on be very, very great. <laughs> Yeah, after this volume, I kind of feel bad for all the times I compared them as siblings or like, you know, Hayasaka was acted like an older sibling. And and in a, in a in a way that kind of was Yeah, I th- I think it still it still was there to an extent, I think. But I I think that was oversimplification over and not understanding mm. yeah. you know what was really going on. True. Um and how restricted their relationship could be. Mm. Um, now, granted, they they had those quiet moments in her room to get well. Quiet, maybe not the right word, but they had those moments together uh, in her room, and and yeah. they obviously very close. And Kage relied relied on her a lot, mm. um, but I think now we can finally see, as you were saying, that relationship blossom yeah. as she's free away from that kind of servitude. And now they can just be friends because they admire each other. For sure. Yeah. 
yeah, it's beautiful. Like, yeah, man, I, I, I love, I loved how that all went down in this book so much. Like they're, right. they're talking and all that. Um, I also thought leading up to, to that scene, uh, I wanted to meet Kaguya at the place where she felt like their relationship had begun. Yes. Uh, but apparently the two of them had sort of, well, they, they had experienced these different moments that they had together in different ways. So that made it hard for Kaguya <laughs> to figure out the location because different moments were important in different ways for the two of them, which makes sense. Well, you know, it's just hard and it's hard to remember, hard to mm. recollect like some places, especially since they kind of grew up in Kyoto. So yeah, it it's uh, yeah. So pinpointing the right place was difficult, but I like that kind of journey they took. Yeah, it reminiscing the past and, and those flashbacks. Totally, I thought it was a very nice way of of ex- establishing their relationship mm. and you know, moving forward. I thought it was great. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it was also interesting how because the moment that I was referring to that they had shared as kids on that mountain was a very important moment for I, but for Kaguya, it was a sad moment. So, mm-hmm. like, it really is a matter of perspective. And and that obviously did make it hard harder for Kaguya to find her way there. But, but yeah, it was really good, really good. Yeah. And I, I liked in what way it was sad, because it was sad because she felt like she had imprisoned Hayasaka in a way. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. You, have to, you have to be with me because I ordered you to. Right, right. Um, but for Hayasaka, she's like, I would do anything for you, mm. and I feel bad that I am betraying you, but at the very <laughs> least, um, I'm happy to be with you. So I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And how that was where, at least in um, in Ai's mind, that was where their relationship had begun. It was, in a way, also where their new relationship began. Like, they're yeah. like the the one that is more more real, even more of an actual like friendship, also started right there. So I thought that was also nice, kind of how how the story kind of rhymed with itself, even though this was all in the same book. But it it was still really nicely put together, uh, mm-hmm. and like their conversation there that they had was so so great, uh, really emotional, and I thought it was really big of Kaguya to apologize to I, mm. even though she obviously still felt very hurt. By what right. she had just learned about being betrayed that way, uh, but she was still able to apologize very genuinely to I, and as well, I thought it was very big of I to be able to open up like that to Kaguya by confessing how hard it had been for her and how afraid she had been of Kaguya ending up hating her. So it mm-hmm. was really a really really big moment for both of them, and they both developed and like grew as as characters a lot in that scene. And it was so, so great to see that. It was. It was very touching. Yeah. Anything more on that scene? Otherwise, I have one last thing. Well, uh, one, I, I like, I just love the callback or the the origin of the scrunchie that I always wear. It's because Kaguya gave it to her. I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. so great. Totally, totally. That was beautiful. And how I wears it on her wrist now that she doesn't have that long hair anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Just about when Kaguya first heard of Hayasaka's betrayal. Yeah. And I guess this is more of like a, a props to Akasaka in that usually in, in these kind of stories, it, it, the stereotype is, what are you talking about? I knew all along, Baka. Like, exactly. <laughs> don't be all worked up about it. Like that's the normal, well, not the normal, but the, 
typical, mm-hmm. I think, feel like anime resolution. For sure. Uh, but in this case, she genuinely, tr- genuinely trusted Hayasaka and was genuinely hurt. Mm. So I, I thought it was, it was a a great way to go about it and, and, and yeah. a real way to go about it. Oh, yeah. Because I think we do trust people wholeheartedly. It depends on the person, but I think some of us will trust people wholeheartedly. And to have them betray us like that yeah. um, is hard to accept. Absolutely. Yeah, like betrayals from people, like the, the more you trust the person, when they betray you, that, you know, it makes it even harder, even rougher, the more you trusted them before they betrayed you. So mm-hmm. this must absolutely was absolutely terrible for Kaguya, but but she was, you know, she was able to ultimately understand Ai's situation, and I think that helped her feel, well, maybe not as betrayed. Uh, obviously, she still felt very betrayed, but I think it did help her ease her mind a bit by being able to relate to Ai. Right. I- ironically, it was Hayasaka who kind of set that whole, you must never forgive people who betray you exactly. mentality. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of <laughs> digging her own grave there. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. That, yeah, I really like that. Definitely interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so in that scene, there was a crescent moon in the sky during the entire scene on the mountain. Oh yeah. Uh, like all throughout, like ever since they got there, the first time were with uh, Unio, and also when I and Kaguya were talking by themselves by the water, there was always like mm-hmm. a crescent moon in the, in the night sky, which. If I'm not mistaken, the crescent moon can at least sometimes symbolize femininity or female empowerment in some capacity. Oh, really? Um, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, like, don't quote me entirely on this, but this is what I think I've uh, learned at some point in my life. Um, and <laughs> if I am right about this, then I think that, well, works very well with this scene because it's, it's, it's really about that, both for I and for Kaguya in, in various ways, which I think... It's very cool if intentional and if true. <laughs> and, and also, like, I, I was also paying attention to the moon, of course, because the moon right. is, an, is an important thing in the story. Totally. Yeah, uh, I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I, I wonder if that means anything. I'm too lazy to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this, uh, this is pretty cool if this is uh, what it's supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all I had on I and Kaguya. Yeah, I think just the last thing I'll say is I think in the end they got the relationship that they deserved, that they dreamed yeah, about having. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Kaguya even and, says that. Right, it's just so pure. Mm. I love it. So, yeah, very beautiful. So, let's talk about Miyuki and I next. What I thought was great in the beginning of this book was how they were both started, both of them started to be more open uh, with each other finally. Um, uh-huh. I mean, obviously, it's something that I had been struggling with more than Miyuki, perhaps. But she was able to open up, and she, you know, she revealed all the secrets that she had been telling Miyuki in the past volumes. Um, so she she just laid all of that bare and told the truth, which was awesome. And Miyuki was also open and honest with her in a way where he expressed how upset he was at her for having lied to him. Right. So I thought I think that was also something important to kind of get past because bottling up your emotions is never a good thing. Um, I think Miko Ino is doing that or has been doing that a bit too much. I think, as we said, this volume may have been a turning point for her, hopefully with opening up to Miyuki. But anyway, uh, Miyuki doesn't do that here. He doesn't 
bottle anything up there. He actually expresses his, you know, how upset he was about that, which is really cool. Uh, and as they're on the run, Miyuki helps I understand kind of what friendship really is. And we've, we've all already touched on that, kind of how she learned to understand that better. But it really came from Miyuki, I think, while they were right. while they were running away together. Completely. Yeah, I think all their encounters have led to this moment where she felt like she can. F- he's really the only person she could reach out, reach out to and rely on. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that that's the case. Not to say that Miyuki is a terrible option, but <laughs> you know, you would hope that she would have other like parental people in her life where she could reach out to. But she just doesn't. Not to say her mom is terrible, but her she can't really reach out to her mom in the same way. Yeah. It's a little bit sad that Miyuki's the only one she can reach out to, but thank goodness it's Miyuki because mm. I think um, <laughs> he helped, uh, kind of. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. While on the mountain, he maybe didn't help that much. As, as but I think as he helped her. Out. He helped her mentality mm. in terms of asking for help and friendship. Absolutely and right. I mean, prior to this, you know, in, in previous books, he's helped her out at least yeah. on two major occasions. And in this book too, he helped her out also in a major way on the way to the mountain. It's just once they got there, he didn't do that much. But before they got to the mountain, <laughs> he did he did a lot of really great things. So yeah, it yeah. was it was great to see that. <laughs> that's all I have. Sweet, sweet. Then I think that's all for our characters and relationship discussions. So let's move on to the comedy, our final part of this uh, episode. So the comedic bits, um, well... I got. I got to mention the word chain card game. We've already talked about it, obviously, a bit. Oh but gosh, I love it. <laughs> whenever so Chica suggests a game to play, it's bound to be hilarious. I think. Mm-hmm. And what made me laugh the most, I think, was you know all the dirty words that prevented Mika from winning. <laughs> <laughs> that was just so good. Uh, and. <laughs> well, I I love that i love that but at the end when she like chica gets super angry okay that's it you're going down and she's not afraid to use those words yes she has has no shame like she she probably she probably won that game by purely doing bad words (laughs) uh yeah so good oh and the motorcycle grandpa was so cool Miyuki wanted to ride the bike. He wanted to look cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kaguya calling Hayasaka a female cat in heat. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> Very typical Kaguya moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love how one of the examples, or, or when she's thinking about how Kaguya relied on her, or was it Kaguya thinking about she relied on Hayasaka? Either way, hmm. there's there's a couple like flashbacks where... They're younger, and Hayasaka's like, men think only think with their groin. Oh, yeah. He's like, wow, you know so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really goes to show how oblivious Kaguya has really always been, until sort of recently, about the world yeah. in general. <laughs> and then the part, the part where she brings up the underwear, it's like, it's so, I'm not weird for asking that, right? Like, did that, <laughs> did we ever... S- is that a conversation we've seen before? Uh, didn't we? I think when Kage was trying to figure out what kind of underwear Miyuki was wearing. 
And she yeah yeah she yeah. Asked I him, I just I met with the conversation with Hayasaka. Oh like, oh oh yeah no no I don't think we ever saw it from there from that perspective. No no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I can't believe she even brought it up. But I guess Hayasaka is the only person she could vent to. <laughs> true true, <laughs> that was great. And speaking of colored underwear, someone uh that was watching Daddy Shirogane in the chat was asking what color his underwear was. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I totally missed that. <laughs> I thought that was also a really funny reference to that. <laughs> Wait, where, where? It's uh, well, somewhere in that last chapter. Um, I see what color is, and but then the rest is covered by text. Yeah, and then f- I think flip to the next, flip to the next page. Oh, I think there it is. Yeah, what thing. color is your underwear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and as we also mentioned a little bit earlier, we learn in this book that. The student council chambers has at least six security cameras set up in the room. This means that all of the various shenanigans that's been going down in that room throughout the story has been recorded on film. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, especially uh, various things between Kaguya and Miyuki. Especially recently. Does Ishigami know uh, I, that... I, I wonder who has access to that. Because uh... he literally changed in Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that's right. He's probably done that several times, too. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> That's true. Well, let's hope they don't. Keep oh my god! For long. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, because I I wasn't thinking about Ishigami. I was more so thinking about like recent stuff between Kaguya and Miyuki since they got into a relationship. True. When Kaguya was True. like being all clingy on Miyuki when he was trying to study and a- or doing things, and afterward he was like all. He wanted to get down and dirty with her, right? In some way. <laughs> that said, Hayasaka has access to that the security footage now so maybe she's also able to you know mm-hmm. delete some things Ooh, oh, oh yeah yeah i didn't think about it that way but that that's true and and also like her seeing those things is probably not that big of a deal i mean she may yeah she may get a little jealous or a little upset the, the information is safe with her though you know so right <laughs> uh but yeah yeah that's that's great uh something else i thought was really funny was uh miko thought that Miyuki was into her and Miyuki thought that Miko was into him at one point in that uh, chapter with them, uh, which was also followed by, I thought, a really funny thing by Miko when she said, maybe you're my type, Shirogane. What do you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just Miko love teasing her, Miyuki. The, the way she delivered that, like her smirk mm-hmm. when she said, when she made that joke was just so funny. <laughs> I, lo- I loved that. I was like, ooh, nice. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really cute to see that. Totally, yeah, really cute, really, really funny, and also to see something like that from Miko. Right. Like seeing Miko make a joke isn't too common. Obviously, it happens, but it's not that common. Well, it shows how comfortable she is with Miyuki. Yeah. And that yeah. She knew he wouldn't take it, you know, any sort of way or something like mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that. yeah, I like that a lot. Totally. Um. But I guess in that same chapter, Miko has this really scary looking face, just kind of, it's it's almost like blank. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Her her eyes become huge and black. Yeah. It, it's like she's possessed. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. that was scary. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple more things. Yes, yes. One is the just really random sc- screenshot of the pillow fight at, at the Kyoto place. Oh, yeah, that's I don't right. Know, it's like... Oh, man, that would be great to see. (laughs) 
Yeah. I like to see. I mean, Chica looks in there. She's like, she, she's like, yay! But I don't know. I feel like Chica would have been like, "You're going down." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe she started being like, "Yay!" But then toward the end of it, she was probably a bit more intense. Yeah. <laughs> Do you even <laughs> pillow fight? Like, <laughs> you don't even know the war, the c- tactics of war. Anyway. Uh, <sighs> Hopefully a pillow fight comes up next time. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and then lastly, it's just the shipping wars. I did not expect yeah. that to be a thing, but it's 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 here, and I love it. It was I, so great. I can't wait to see just I, – I hope all sorts of shenanigans come from these two factions just <laughs> <laughs> battling each other, arguing with each other, or like yeah. trying to get – one person with Ishigami, I, I, oh, I can't. I hope. Please let it be <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, yeah. This, I, this is definitely something. I think. Well, for me, right now in the story, the thing that has me the most intrigued and that I'm the most invested in is definitely, well, this thing related to Miko and you and Tsubame, like uh-huh. this side. Because there's always kind of several stories in a way going on at the same time, sort of in, right. in various ways. But this one is definitely my, the one that has me the most interested right now. Totally. Um, Kay trying to stop her dad's viewers from wasting all their money was really funny. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> uh, just... Stop you degenerates! You de- degenerates! I mean, she should have said that, but maybe they would have gotten really excited about that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh my god. And the last thing I wanted to point out as a funny thing is the under the covers gag in this book. Oh yeah. Which was like just the letter to the future 170,000 years from now. <laughs> Bro, this is like a cry for help. <laughs> like, <laughs> is Akasaka okay? <laughs> yeah, right. I worry about him. Gee. <laughs> that was that was great though. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Anything more on comedy? I'm done. Sweet. I've exhausted all of my thoughts on this volume. Mm, yeah, me too. This was this was great. I had a blast talking about this volume. And I had a blast reading this volume too. I think volume 17 and 18 to me were great volumes, but maybe not as good as some other volumes have been. But volume 19 for me was like back to the peak Kaguya-sama volumes for me, yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. I think, especially volume 18, while it was, it was good, I, it was setting up this this yeah. volume oh um, totally and it, it really paid off yeah it really really did so a little bit about maybe potential predictions and i have one thing that i wanted to touch on uh regarding that and we have this is something we've talked about before uh it's valentine's day we've mentioned this as a prediction Ooh, yeah. for something that should be coming up very soon at this point and i've actually been doing some research into like where we could be in the calendar and stuff like that right now. So mm-hmm. I reckon we're like no more than a week away from February 14th at this point, like by the end of this volume, because they got home from the school trip on Saturday, February the 4th. Uh, we know that from volume 17, I think. Uh, and that that was also the date that you and Tsubame went on their first date or the one that they've been mm-hmm. on so far. Uh, so right now we are... We, we pretty much have to be in the school week that spans from the 6th to the 10th. Uh, so like the school week after that weekend. Uh, it's pretty much where we pretty much gotta be right now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And you and Tsubame are going on their second date this weekend. as from At least that's the plan. So that's gotta be either on the 11th or the 12th. And then 
we got Valentine's Day coming up on Tuesday the 14th. So I'm I'm pretty I feel pretty confident that all of that could be covered in the next volume potentially. It could be. Or it could be prolonged into volume 21. <laughs> Absolutely could be. I just feel like since it's probably no more than a week away, it it's uh-huh. it's pretty likely for it to be covered. Definitely definitely not guaranteed though, but but yeah. yeah. I think it's uh yeah. very likely. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. Do you think that that's going to be a major turning point in this whole shipping wars thing? Or do you think that's or the, or do you think that's going to be March? Exactly. Instead? Exactly. March 22nd or whatever it was. It's the yeah. date we're waiting for, right? I think mm-hmm. I because th- I think the culture festival was on December 21st to the 22nd, if I recall. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. So Miko would have received the heart on the 22nd because that was the last day of the culture festival. Uh, yeah. So March 22nd was will be three months after that. So that's when she can claim that heart. So I, I do think ultimately that whole thing is going to be probably resolved around there. So for, mm-hmm. for Valentine's Day specifically, I honestly have no idea. I'm sure we'll get something sweet between Miyuki and Kaguya. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but other than that, I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas? Uh, I think it. I think it'll be. I'm pretty confident it'll be safe for March 22nd. I think that's such an important date that mm-hmm. it, it would kind of be anticlimactic if that ends up not being a thing. Right. So I I think that Valentine's Day. Mm, I I don't know. I think if anything, we may get Tsubame being a little. Um, maybe that's when you start seeing Tsubame not being as willing to date Ishigami. Although I don't think she'd be playing him, though. I don't know. We'll see. No. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's interesting because I also feel like if, assuming, you know, March twenty second thing is going to be somehow crucial for you and Miko in their mm-hmm. potential re- relationship going forward. If that will be the case, then I feel like you needs needs time before then to let go of Tsubame and to and to sort of develop more feelings for Miko or at least to 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 discover those feelings or whatever the case may be. Um yeah, so good point. Good so point. if if we're taking that into consideration then then you might be right then maybe maybe this upcoming weekend date or or on Valentine's Day or around there, perhaps there will be some kind of end to you and Tsubame's thing, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Although I really I really can't say for sure, but obviously, but maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll see, but it just depends on how the whole thing with Otomo goes down, you know? Right, oh yeah, that whole thing, for sure. Yeah, 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 that's going to be... Uh, <laughs> it better not happen on Valentine's Day. Like... What a bummer for Ishigami. I mean, granted, it's just it's just a day of the year, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I say bummer because I don't know how well he's going to accept the fact that Chief knows, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because he was very adamant about really keeping that a secret from her. So right. Yeah. I guess we'll see. We will. We will. It's super exciting. I cannot wait for Volume Twenty. Super, super stoked. I think it comes out August eighth or uh, maybe somewhere, somewhere in, I, sometime in August at least. Um, 
August 3rd. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> so... Well, the first week of August. Yes, yes. So, um, at some point, probably rel relatively shortly after that, we will have our Volume 20 discussion done. It I, At the very least, I can guarantee it won't take as long as it did with this volume. I can guarantee you that. So, yeah. Awesome. Wonderful volume, wonderful discussion. If you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga. And if you like this episode, please share it around with anyone that you think might enjoy it too. And as James, I think, pointed out when we recorded a recent episode of something else, we also would like maybe to ask our listeners, if you're listening on any other podcast platforms, podcast apps, to you know give us a review or a rating or however those platforms work would be, would be lovely. And if you're listening on YouTube, give a like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel, we kind of have everything uh, structured in playlists and stuff. So I, I personally, I think our YouTube channel is kind of the ultimate umami manga spot. <laughs> uh, if you really want to kind of get into our content. <laughs> yeah, please uh, follow us and, and whatnot. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time where we'll talk about volume 20. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye.